Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock. Alongside me, as always, is the scout Matt Williamson. You can subscribe to the show on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. That's where most of today's program came from because this is Twitter Thursday. We've got some good questions to get into today on the program. Uh, Matt, we've got some news to hit before we find those Twitter questions. And there was a quote that I thought was very interesting and it did shake some people up. And I love the off-season contract stuff and and the 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 era we live in here with social media and guys being uh, on programs like the Rich Eisen show and Derrick Henry, he was talking last week about free agency, and he said that Ezekiel Elliott's six-year, $90 million contract is the floor for what he will be seeking, and uh, that's very interesting. And look, Derrick Henry is a beast, and with every player out there, it's like, go get yours. And we talked yesterday with Jeff Lloyd about how you're going to pay everybody, and uh, if you're a good team, there's more people to pay usually. So that's the the curse of being a very good team is you're going to lose people. And it's really hard for me to wrap my brain around paying a running back $90 million because of how the shelf life is with that position and how easily replaceable the position is with a, you know, with a guy who's pretty good. You're not going to find many, if any at all, 6'3", 250-pound running backs like Derrick Henry. So I get that, but... Is that worth six years, ninety million as your floor? So, uh, Derrick Henry, how much do you pay Derrick Henry if you're the Tennessee Titans? Do you build the team around a running back? Yeah, that's a bit interesting one. I mean, you said Henry is a beast, and Henry is a beast, and I don't remember anyone like him. I mean, honestly, the comparisons I've used is Jim Brown in terms of. He's not much smaller than his blockers, and he's still one of the fastest guys on the field and the most physical and rugged and all those things. I mean, there's Brandon Jacobs, but they're not even close to the same player. I mean, Eddie George is a comparison, possibly. You know, he's a potentially transcendent player. And we know the Titans would not have got where they did without him. We know that he is the rare guy that is better in the second half than the first half. And as the season and playoffs go on, he gets better. He doesn't wear down. He doesn't look like anyone I've ever seen that plays a position. But is he truly the outlier? I mean, to give him a long-term deal, you're saying that really he is different than everyone else in history to this point almost. Because... I don't know the numbers in front of me, but when you factor in the playoffs, the workload this year was ridiculous and they're not easy carries. They're not just kind of, you know, cruise out of bounds. He's a big target and yeah, he's the hammer, but it's not too long from now that he'll probably be the nail. He doesn't catch the ball. So I can't give him a six year deal ever. I mean, it might be two years from now where he's, just okay, you know, and you have to take him off, off the field on third downs. And it's tough being a running back in this league. And I hope the CBA and it won't helps these guys in some way, shape or form, but like Melvin Gordon and Lev Bell went through this, trying to hold out and get their money and, you know, best of luck because you just don't last that long. And I doubt Henry's going to give you three more really good years. So 
no one wants to hear this if you're in the Henry camp, but I think the answer is very obvious. You franchise them or transition them because you can do both this year and run them into the ground and send them on his way. And that's rough, but that's the way the league works. Or what if I told you you could bring, you know, give that money to Jack Conklin, Logan Ryan, and a free agent outside the team and use your first round pick on Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin and do the same thing and run him into the ground for the next five years and send him on his way. You know, it's just, it's just not good business. You got to pay a quarterback there. Um, you know, the right. Ryan, Ryan Tannehill thing, you have to figure that out. And obviously they're going to move on from Marcus Mariota, it looks like. So uh, interesting team building exercise when it comes to running back because they're important, but they're replaceable. They're the superstars their whole life until you get into your mid twenties, and it's like, oh my god, twenty five years old is an old running back all of a sudden. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, it, it's a really odd position in the NFL for how often they're used, how important they are, but how you have to treat that position as a general manager and be very shrewd about it. It, it, it with with because more players at more positions are getting paid too, which hurts running backs because if you're going to pay safeties, like say Jamal Adams, who Looked like he might have been going on the outs with the Jets, and normally defensive or corners make a lot of money, but safeties don't make as much money traditionally. But there's a lot of great young safeties in the league, and Jamal Adams actually looks like they made nice there, and he said he fully expects to be extended this offseason, and that Jamal Adams says he now wants to be in New York. And so we'll see if there's any trade talks about Jamal Adams or they decide to pay him, but you can't pay a quarterback and, and a star wide receiver and an offensive line and a corner and then pay a safety and still pay a running back. And I would put running back behind all those positions, even safety now when traditionally that wasn't the case before. Yeah. And Henry is interesting. He is somewhat of a unicorn. And we just talked about that. The interesting thing to me though, is what about when, and this is coming soon, McCaffrey, Kamara, guys that truly are more than just hand them the ball. What about when they come up? You know, imagine what, I mean, they just have so much value in the passing game. I wonder if those type of backs will get the big, big dollars. Yeah. And, and how do you, how do these running backs, because so Zeke set the market, how do you pay a running back, even that is really valuable in the passing game, if you still don't believe they can, hold up because they'll get hurt in the running game more so than the passing game. And, you know, when you get tackled 25 times a game, it's hard to hold up at any position. And that's what's scary about running quarterbacks too, because there's a 100% injury rate in the NFL for, for players, especially that carry the football. It's Zeke's a great example. They just gave him a huge buttload of money. I mean, the most in running back history, obviously, but the complaint was, you guys didn't use them quite enough, you know, especially in the passing game or saw the same thing with Gurley. And you think the Rams are happy about the Gurley deal. You think that on a lesser extent, I mean, are the jets thrilled with the Lev Bell deal? Is Atlanta thrilled with Devonte Freeman's deal? Um, the, the glaring examples are your Niners, like with Jarek McKinnon. And that was a little out of their hands, but it can happen to that position easier than any, any other. And it, it's rough. And I agree that the running backs that are, valuable in the passing game are the ones that you would pay. If I was going to pay anybody, yeah. those are the ones that, that you McCaffrey. do pay. Those are the ones you draft. Those are the ones you pay. The Saquon Barkley argument, the one argument I would have bought at the time that wasn't really even made that often about drafting him number two overall was, okay, he's the best running back in the draft. Whatever. 
he's the best receiver in the draft. Okay, now we're starting to talk here because mm-hmm. that is such a dynamic weapon for your offense. But if he's hurt, he didn't, isn't a good running back or a good wide receiver. So very interesting stuff there and who will get paid and who doesn't. And in this day and age in the NFL and contracts are still not guaranteed. So the other idea is that, look, pay him whatever the market is. Then in three years, we're going to cut him. They're never going to see the last half of that deal anyway. Yeah, and something I've been saying a lot about running backs of late is I don't have a problem drafting one high, first half of round one, top 10. I really get squeamish about giving that guy a contract past their fifth-year option. So to my point, do you think the Panthers, Giants, Rams, maybe even Jacksonville, um, many others, I mean, Dallas, that, it, that used that early draft pick on a running back, do you think they're unhappy about it? I think the answer is no, but some people will say none of those teams made the playoffs. Yeah, and it's interesting because with a running back, it's it can be a hit right away. You know, a rookie yeah. that's, that's great and it's like, good, we Take hit on a running back, and there's a high hit rate for running backs early. But then five years later, you're looking at, oh, man, the Dallas Cowboys. Well, we could have, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, and this is – I'm using this example because it's not hindsight for me, and I've got receipts about saying, why would you draft a running back in the top five when instead you could have drafted Jalen Ramsey, much more valuable position at a sure. and a stud player, and Derrick Henry in the second round? And I said that at the time, and that would have looked a lot better now. And and you can move Cream on. Cream on the third. Right, you know, Cream on the third. Yeah. Or, yeah, or... Um, there's many in that yeah, draft. I mean, there's just a, there's tomorrow, a ton. Yeah, right. So even when you hit, it's sort of a miss. Now you got to pay the running back, and now you into their second contract, maybe you had a guy who's hitting his prime at another position that's more valuable instead of a running back that's breaking down. So it's an interesting conversation for sure. And Todd Gurley, yeah, Jacksonville. I think at this point, those those don't look great, right? Right. I mean, where were the – Fournette's kind of the odd one because it's back to the Henry conversation that he's not a receiver, although he's getting better in that regard. But Jacksonville's had one good year in my son's lifetime and where would they have been without Fournette that year I mean he was the whole team yeah I mean well defensively too so right yeah it's it's I don't know it's interesting that it can be a hit and a miss at the same time Matt we've got to get to some of these tweets here yeah absolutely all right let's do it I want to start off with Cronzy and this name looks familiar I think this might be a question from a 49ers fan he said when did the NFL scrap the holding penalty rule for offensive <laughs> linemen, and there were zero holding penalties called in what 150 snaps in the Super Bowl. That's interesting. Did is that a league directive you think for the Super Bowl? It's like, yeah, let's just not call stuff. I have a feeling it was let's lean in that direction, let's let them play. And I've heard, I'm glad we brought this up because, I, and I'm sure you know, you guys talk about it a lot, and Niner fans are probably not happy with the officiating, you know, the pat, the two pass interference calls, one when they had the ball, one when they didn't, didn't go their way. And the impartial jury that I am on them didn't have a problem with either of those calls. I, I tend to agree with them 51%, but really was on the fence totally that they could have gone either way. But the thing that, you, that, that this tweet addresses is no holding calls and the Niners we're kicking the crap out of the Chiefs' offensive line, especially at the pass rush. And you know, people want to blame Mahomes for not playing well. He was under a lot of pressure. And I actually heard Mike Lombardi say this before the game. Is He said, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, 
I'm going to walk up to the ref before the game and say, they can't block us. I know this for a fact. The Chiefs will not block our guys. If you're going to put, if you're not going to call holding Pauls, these are exactly Lombardi's words, basically, you might as well just give the Chiefs a trophy now. <laughs> and in a way, that kind of held true. I mean, how many of those drives would be different if it was second and 20, you know? And that, then I've also heard the argument that, okay, you're the Niners, you're Bosa, Buckner, whomever. You've played a half of football and realized, I'm getting hold, held like crazy. I'm not getting a call. Maybe I can get away with hands to the face, head slaps. You know, maybe I can bend the rules too. I, I don't know. But in the end, you can't. That was my biggest problem with the with the way the, the Super Bowl was officiated was you got to call two or three of them. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you got to you got to let them be honest. And I think the big one that 49ers fans and there's definitely some saltiness with that tweet question for us there. But the big one was that the hugest play of the game, the third and 15, 44 yarder to Tyreek Hill. And the reason that play was able to happen because Patrick Mahomes is able to take a nine step drop and he was dropping back and dropping back and and. The pass rush didn't get to him because there was an obvious hold on Nick Bosa on that play. And that that's the, mugged. Yeah, and, and that's the one that, that fans are, are really upset about. And they don't like the other calls either. And this kind of leads into another question here on the mailbag. What rule change? Before we do, I just want to throw one thing oh, out. Yeah, sure. I thought Bosa was probably the best player on the field in that game. And if he would have, you know, he easily could have had three or four holding calls that would have affected the game positively for San Francisco. Oh, and I think there's no doubt that they got in. Patrick Mahomes head a little bit for three plus quarters of that game. And, and to Mahomes credit, he he battled back and he's a mentally tough guy, but he was definitely rattled and and missing throws and pressured a lot and getting chased out of there. And there could have been more sacks from Bosa. He had, I think it was 12 pressures on the game and the forced fumble. And I mean, he was just, he was all over the place and he was probably the 49ers MVP in that game. And if the 49ers won, that means that Jimmy Garoppolo probably hit Emmanuel Sanders on the deep post. So Garoppolo would have won MVP, but maybe that award should have gone to Nick Bosa if that's the case. And I give out game balls after every game to the 49ers. And in this one, it was the rookies, Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa. that got game balls for me in that game. So that's one of the reasons the future still looks bright for the 49ers going forward. Mark has a question that, for me, it ties in, and I don't know what answer you're, you have here, Matt, for this question, but it says, what rule change would you like to see implemented next season? And my thing would be, and this kind of ties in hmm. with those pass interference calls in the Super Bowl, and the pass interference rule is just so ticky-tack, and it's, it's getting out of control, and they've screwed up so many now that they have to have review for it, and they're trying to undo history and fix a problem that happened in the past, but they're not really helping things going forward. I just think there's too many flags in the NFL. So on one side, I kind of like the way that the game was officiated. I think they could have even taken it further and not called flags on some pass interference plays like the George Kittle play. They show it in slow motion. They, they slow it down. They show him extend his arm and then they pause the film when they show the replay. When you watch it live, I mean, it just looks natural. There's nothing weird about that play. I didn't see the PI when you see it fast and I've watched it back and tried to see it. it it's just very natural. Sorensen's grabbing at him. He's trying to keep him off. Those type of plays, let the players play. Let the players decide it. Let them fight for the ball a little bit. I don't mind some contact between DBs and receivers. And then on the other one in the end zone, Travis Kelsey's covered there. Don't reward the defense. Don't bail him out 
because they're, a guy doesn't turn his head. What's the difference if he turns his head or not? The guys, the receiver's locked down. He covered him. Don't bail out the offense. So I want to see less bailout calls. I would like to see less penalties overall. So I think maybe even if you're going to take it that far, take it even further. And and if there was zero penalties in that Super Bowl, I think I would have been even better with that than, than how it turned out. So if, unless you're tackling a guy, let him hold a little bit. Uh, let especially since they've added more penalties to the books, right? So the job is so hard for officials now, and right. player safety is really big. So if you're going to add more penalties, like player safety stuff, which we've seen so many of those, then I think you got to take some other penalties away. So rewrite the books. If what we saw in the Super Bowl on those PI penalties, if that is what the by the book says, change the book. Let him fight a little bit more. Let him go until unless it's painfully obvious. Yeah, I tend to agree with everything you said. And to take it a step further, I really think slow-mo, super slow-mo distorts reality. You know, that it makes it sound like, look, he's holding him for three seconds when it's 0.3 seconds. You know what I mean? Like, everything looks so much worse. They bump into each other, and boy, it looks like he's riding them forever because you're watching super slow-mo. That's not, I mean, they're, they're, they're not taking steps, you know, like... I, I think when you watch things on super slow-mo, you really don't get an accurate depiction of how it influences the play. You obviously see his hand t- did this, it did that, but it doesn't accurately show, you know, he grabbed cloth for an extended amount of time or impeded his progress, you know, and, and I think that's a problem. And I love slow-mo for things like, you know, the immaculate reception. We would have had that on film. Right. We would have known if the ball hit the ground or not. We know. Did he get his toes in in the end zone? Right. We you know, know if a guy yeah. gets two feet in. We know if a guy crosses the goal line. Those things are great for slow-mo. But when they're reviewing something like PI, they should only watch it back in real time. And yeah. and it's got to be an absolute pass interference. And the calls that they're trying to overturn, those plays would be pretty obvious in real time. So that's what that rule, I think the spirit of what that rule should be. And Less flags is is pretty much a good thing. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna totally crush the the officials for the calls that were not made in the Super Bowl. I would rather crush them for the ones that did get thrown that didn't need to be. They just don't bail. I just hate offenses getting bailed out by PA. It's PI. It's one of my least favorite things that happens in the NFL. Yeah, because the offenses know it too. Like we can't do anything. So you run deep and try to draw contact. I'm gonna throw the sixty yards. And maybe we can actually move the football. You know, I mean, that's just cheap. And to me, it's dirty pool. Um, to answer this question, I'm, I'm going a different direction with the, 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 what, how, the rule I would change. And I've hated this forever. And it seems to be getting more publicity for being a really dumb rule. Is let's say it's first and 10 from the 25. It's the first play of the game. Patrick Mahomes throws a bomb to Tyreek Hill that just destroys a corner, dusts him. It's a long touchdown, boom. But for some reason, as Tyreek's crossing the goal line, the ball slips out of his hands and goes out the back of the end zone. Well, that's the defense's ball. That makes me crazy that that's a possession change. When you lose (laughs) the ball through the back of the end zone, the defense did nothing to deserve a turnover. They never picked the ball up. They maybe caused it to come out, but they never recovered it. I hate that a team that's driving that potentially scores there all of a sudden hands the ball to the opponent. I I don't know what the best way to remedy that is. I think something along the lines of, okay, there is a penalty. You get the ball on the 20 going in. 
something along those lines. But by no means should it be a change of possession. That's an interesting one. And I never really thought about it that way, but it doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. Right, right. What do you do to get it? Yeah, you convinced me on that one, that's for sure. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move along here. We've got a really good question about quarterbacks that I think we need to dig into a little bit coming up. Let's move along to Dallin, who has a good question here about quarterbacks. He says, you've talked a lot about Rivers, but where would you like to see some of these other quarterbacks who are, quote-unquote, on the market end up? And I think this is a good conversation because, and we talked about doing this and getting a little bit deeper into it. So why not? Let's talk about these free agent quarterbacks and, and where we like them to go. Brady to the Raiders is starting to make, I'm starting to think that there is a little Ooh. more fire. and It's not just smoke, you know, that he would love playing behind a great line. Gruden can tell him we're going to take CD lamb or Jerry Judy in the first round, you know, like I, I could see that happening more than I could have a week ago, but I worry with this conversation because this is a great conversation. And I'm thinking about putting quarterbacks into different categories, like Mahomes, Wilson, these guys, nothing to worry about. We're not going to talk about them, but these teams, these quarterbacks, what if there is a ripple effect and Brady signs in Oakland and now what's who wants car? What do the Patriots do? Um, a guy like Mariota to me, I think is interesting in a Bridgewater way from a year ago that go set him somewhere for a year and let him marinate, you know? So I think this off season sets up to be extremely exciting, but I also think we might be getting our hopes up a little bit that Cowboys signed Dak Brady returns to the Patriots. The Raiders live with Carr. Winston goes back to uh, Tampa and then there's not much movement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it could easily go that way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Dak re-signing with the Cowboys is the most obvious. Drew Brees is yeah. either going to play for the Saints Brees, or right. nobody. Um, Tom Brady, it's really hard to place him somewhere. I've heard the Chargers, and the more I think about it, why would Brady? I mean, going to L.A. is the only reason it would make sense there. But mm-hmm. that Chargers ownership, they do have some good receivers. I don't know. Maybe that makes some sense. It just feels like that's the wrong thing for Brady and just staying home is where that's going to end up as well. Yeah. I Um, mean, on the field, I look at the Raiders and chargers and think they're totally opposite. One of them has a line, which that would be great, but doesn't have much in the way of receivers. The other one has no line, which could really end bad for TB 12, but boy, he'd love throwing to Keenan Allen and Williams and you know, those backs and Henry, if they all return, Uh, But do you trust the organization to get you a line? They never have for Rivers. Keenan Allen is the perfect wide receiver for Tom Brady, Brady too. Out of the slot, big slot, can uncover from anybody, be a big target, that go-to guy, the chain mover. Um, I kind of like that quarterback to receiver combination for Brady, but yeah, you still got to protect the guy. I want him on my fantasy team already if that happens. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, (laughs) one of the questions is what kind of offense are these teams going to run because he's been in the Earhart Perkins offense for so long, and is he going to go West Coast terminology all of a sudden, age 42? That doesn't make sense. See, that's the thing that never settled with me quite right is, okay, you go to Vegas, and Gruden's not going to change his spots Is in terms of the offense he runs. You're going to be doing spider Y banana or whatever. I mean, that he's done forever. <laughs> and Brady's got a telephone book that he's built with McDaniels and Belichick of their plays and their scheme that he'd kind of have to throw away. I mean, are the two minds going to meet and mesh concepts? Maybe a little, but one's going to give. And I don't see the one of those men giving in that regard. 
Ryan Tannehill, I mean, does any team make sense for him other than the Titans? I don't know how they let him go. You know, I mean, even if it's only a franchise prove-it-to-me deal or a transition deal, how do they let him go? I, I just don't see that. Um, man, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a flash in the pan. But if you're the Titans, how do you let him get on the open market? So here's one, Winston. And by the way, there has been some smoke. He's with, the most wild card. Right, but there has been some smoke with uh, Tampa and Tom Brady. And I could see Tom Brady with Bruce Arians and obviously some fantastic weapons at wide receiver there. That one starts to make a little bit of sense, actually, for, for Tom Brady and Tampa. And then Jameis not Winston horrible. obviously would move on. But where do you put Winston in that case? Yeah, not horrible. I mean, I, I also wanted to mention with Gruden, and I guess this applies to Arians as well, some of these coaches that have been doing it a real long time seem to have their best rapport, most success with Rich Gannon, Brad Johnson, Carson Palmer, veterans is where I'm going with this. Right. You know, guys that you know that aren't new to the league. Does does you know Gruden or Arians really want to draft a guy and start that whole process? Exactly. Probably not. Yeah, you know? That's that's what I was gonna say is Bruce Arians doesn't care how good Tom Brady is in five years because Bruce Arians, I don't think wants Neither to be coaching in five years. He wants to win. Now who's the best quarterback you can get now? Tom Brady. I, that one kind of, uh, that one's growing on me a little bit, actually. It's not horrible. I, my problem is Brady's not no risk it, no biscuit, chuck it downfield guy anymore. You know I mean? Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean Mike Evans still couldn't catch 85 passes with Brady or Godwin wouldn't be a godsend or OJ Howard might blow up. He might be on my fantasy team, but the way Arians calls plays would have to change and you'd have to just Tom handle it all at the line like you used to. And how different would that <laughs> offense look with James Winston chucking right. it everywhere, throwing picks, the picks would come down. The big plays would come down. Oh, that'd be interesting. Okay, where do you put Winston? And the team I'm thinking about is the Bears. The, the Bears aren't going to go in with just Tr Mitch Trubisky and that's it, right? So is mm -hmm. it Teddy Bridgewater? Do you bring in some competition? Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota? Uh, do you go with the veteran like Phillip Rivers? Do you go try to go big with Tom Brady in Chicago? They've got to do something in Chicago at quarterback, right? I'm not a Tr Trubisky believer at all, but I do think he played through more injury than many want to give him credit for this year. So... It, it, at least there's that. But don't you think they at least have to add Andy Dalton, Mariota? I mean, at least somebody that's yes. taken serious snaps. Winston makes a lot of sense. I mean, would I pick the Bears to win that division with Jameis Winston? Like, how much different would that offense be with Winston? <laughs> and maybe that defense could make up for some of Winston's interceptions or Rivers' interceptions. I still think Dalton has value, you know, and I, I, how about the chargers? How about the Panthers for any of these teams or are the Panthers in total rebuild mode or the chargers set on Herbert or a rookie and tie rods there, their, their stopgap guy. How about this though? What does Belichick do if Brady does go elsewhere? Like that might be the more interesting question than where does Brady go? I keep coming back to a quarterback that I like in New England, and it's not one we've talked about yet. It's not a free agent, but Josh Rosen in New England. I know. I thought about that since he came out. I just It just makes some kind of sense there, and that would be, I mean, we need one of these dominoes to fall, too, so we know absolutely a hole would be opening up. So something like the Chargers, like who goes to the Chargers if Rivers is gone? 
and they yeah. might not have their choice of everybody, but you know, Winston or Mariota, is that all they're going to have? They have that high draft pick, number six overall. They have a guy in-house in Tyrod Taylor who can be the stopgap, so do they even need to go after a quarterback? It's going to be such a fun offseason when it comes to quarterbacks, but one guy has to move before those dominoes can move because uh, you know you throw a wet blanket over this whole thing, and, and maybe not a lot of these guys are moving, period. <laughs> yeah, and I want to put these on paper, and including like the first-round guys coming out, it seems like we have more than 32 names, you know, when, when we throw all these guys out there. Then it might be 40 of them when you start talking a Bridgewater, a Dalton, guys that we don't expect to be starters on opening day necessarily. Three guys I think are interesting, though, are some high pedigree dudes. And I know Rosen's done nothing in this league, but Rosen, Mariota, Bridgewater. One of them might be this year's Tannehill. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're still Winston's only twenty six years old. It's it's hard to believe that he's yeah, gone through his Mariota. whole rookie contract. I mean, Rosen's what, twenty three? Yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah. He was junior coming out. Bridgewater's only twenty seven. These guys are all yeah. still pretty young. Yeah, Mariota's twenty six. Wow, Case I mean, Keenum's out there guys as well. Is gonna hit still, or two of them. One's gonna hit for sure. Which one? If you had to bet your life on not, not your life. If you had to bet a, a nice chunk of money on your one life. of those. Yeah, if you had to bet my life on <laughs> Uh, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, or Teddy Bridgewater? Bridgewater would be last for me. And, and I know a lot of people probably think he's first. He won all those games. I'm a, this goes back to my Lamar and Mahomes love coming out. When it comes to quarterback evals, I usually go for the aggressive guy, the home run. And that's obviously Winston. But I've been a huge Mariota supporter, and I'm not anymore. But if he went somewhere with the right quarterback coach, like I'm sitting here thinking, what if Winston or what if Mariota would have been in New Orleans? Breeze retires and they sign Mariota or Brady leaves and Belichick grabs Mariota or the Chiefs sign him and Mahomes gets hurt and Andy Reid gets to work with them. Like, I still think there's a lot of clay to mold with Mariota. I see uh, an Alex Smith-like scenario there. Started off yeah. bad team, bad situation. Took him a while. Young player, athletic, uh, you know, more of a... Kind of introverted. Yeah, not a risk-taking you know, type of player, but it took him a while. And when he was... When Alex Smith was 26, he was still with the 49ers, and they were still not a good football team yet. And the Niners stuck with Alex Smith for a, a long time, which was kind of surprising how long it took him to get things going. And he finally got things going at a, an age that was later than where Marcus Mariota is right now. So coaching is yeah. going to be a huge factor here. What team these guys go to, to which guy actually is the one that breaks out. There's also a couple teams that seem to value backups more than most. And the Saints come to mind. You know, they spent a ton of money at the quarterback position yeah. last year. And the Eagles come to mind. I mean, I'm still a big Wentz believer, but they had Foles. You know, they – and Wentz is not the healthiest guy, you know, historically, that maybe they grab a Mariota or a Dalton or somebody like that that doesn't get a crack but sits on the bench and who knows what happens after that. And the Patriots probably should bring in one of these quarterbacks even if they keep Brady, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, that, that's a good point. Like, Brady and Mariota doesn't sound horrible. Brady and Rosen sounds great, you know, because it's not nice. going to cost you much. Yep. Um, and I think Stidham still has a chance, too. We're out of time here, Matt. That was good stuff. The quarterback no yeah. conversation is going to be fun. And 
once those dominoes start to fall, then we can really dig into this thing and we can envision these guys changing teams. It's hard, man. We haven't had an offseason like this with so much potential for some quarterback movement in the NFL. And we'll see how many of these guys actually do move on when it's all said and done. And we'll be back tomorrow right here, Locked on NFL.